guys, uh, I was really confused. Did you want to take a gold brick home? How do we feel about Derek Delgado's in and of itself? What do you guys think? I, I didn't have any thoughts in particular on the gold brick, <laughs> personally. <laughs> uh, that wasn't like a main focal point of the film for me. Um. <laughs> uh, wait, can I tell you guys something crazy about the gold brick, though? So we also we assume that this is a spoiler yes. spoilerific yeah. podcast. Okay, so in the taped version of of the show in and of itself, they asked the audience to like come up with an intersection where this gold brick appears. And the intersection they come up with is Third Street and Avenue A, where I used to what? live. And so, yes, I still live in the same neighborhood, but not on that on that corner anymore. And I actually made an entire film, yeah. Third Street Blackout. It's a romantic comedy available on Peacock. And Third Street Blackout refers to that street where that gold brick was. When they said third and A, I just like oh, it. It was made just mind. for you. Well, then you took something special. I mean, completely. Yeah, and exactly. For me, the gold cool. brick was very special. That, that is pretty amazing. I had a weird moment watching the film last night with my friend last night, too, because Maria Abramovitz, the artist is present, was on. And my friend was like, oh, I, I almost waited in line four hours to see her, but I didn't want to. And I'm so disappointed. And I, and I said, I said, that reminds me of the time that David Blaine was encased in ice in New York City at the Lincoln Center. And I saw him and I was like, yep, oh, yep. David Blaine, how long do I want to sit here watching him? I was busy. So I left. And then five seconds later, on camera, David Blaine appeared in this video. I was, yes. the, I was like, what? My friend was like, he's reaching us through the video. This guy. Uh, <laughs> you both have had far more exciting lives than I have, I think, is what I'm gathering. Okay. <laughs> and that is our show chatter. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> now the credits will roll. They yell about directors, yell about the plot. Yell about the acting, but they also talk a lot. But mostly Josh and Cassie. Yeah! About the movies. And we're back. Welcome, everybody, to Josh and Cassie Yell About Movies. I'm Josh, a freelance entertainment journalist. I'm here with Cassie, a newser with a fantastic mug mm -hmm. and a great smile. And Thank a special guest this morning, you guys. We can we are too excited. One of my favorite podcasters. She's the host of Fake the Nation, a terrific book called uh, Shoot. I how make to white, make white people laugh. laugh. Yes, it's. Oh a, wait, we're gonna find out. We're gonna find out how to make white people laugh. Right, it unfortunately <laughs> did not make my white brother-in-law laugh, although I did buy it for him and give it to him for Christmas one year. Uh, and she can now be seen uh, in the Adult Swim show Bird Girl, you guys. Nagin Farsad, welcome to the show. Yay! Hey! Yes. Yay. Oh my gosh, thanks for having me. Hello. Yes, thanks so much. Why did you want to see uh, Derek Delgadio's in and of itself, or talk about it, I should say? Well, it's funny because I had been hearing from random other people, like, you have to see Derek Delgadio's in and of itself. And I was like, eh. You know, I've been hearing about it for months. And then enough people said it to me that I was like, okay. But the thing is, like, everything about the description of this show is something that I thought would be horrendous, right? Like, there's a magic element. You know what I mean? It's essentially a solo show that was done live but taped. Like, all of this to me is just, like, not how I want to spend an hour and 20 minutes mm -hmm. or whatever it was. But I finally did it. 
And I just, I was floored. And so when, you know, when Joshua said, what do you want to watch? Talk about, this was the first thing that came to mind. I mean, it was probably the most, I don't know, emotional, like moving experience I've had watching something in the last couple of years. Wow. Okay. Extremely moving to me too. We just, I was, it was analyzing the, all the parts and, and the gun and the Rulatista, and I was trying to figure out what grabbed me so much. What, uh, what grabbed you? Right. So, I mean, the story, it's funny because he almost gives it away in the title, but it's sort of like someone told him he was the yeah. Rulatista, which is like a person that would, you know, that turns the, what, the thing, the chambers in the gun and takes the risk of shooting themselves, whatever that game is. Right. Russian roulette. roulette. Russian roulette. There it is. Sorry. Um, I'm so like, don't know anything about <laughs> guns or anything that you would do with them. Um, but so yeah, someone said you're like the rouletista in your life. Someone said that to him in a bar and, and he sort of has grappled with this like label and wait, what was your question? Why did it get you so emotional? I guess is the real question. I think because ever since you're like an angsty teenager, when just going to the playground is not enough to satisfy your existential needs, you start grappling with this question of yeah. who you are and is there a God? Da, 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 da. Like, what am I going to do? What is What does it mean, the things I'm going to do? Like, what are my dreams? Do my dreams matter? Are they worthy? Am I worthy? And you start sort of, a, you know, like affixing these labels to yourself or you hear someone say something about you and then that just becomes a thing that you keep thinking about yourself, even if it's not true. You know, I remember once as a child, my my parents said to me, I mean, literally, I was like seven, that um, they used to say to me when I was a kid and didn't want to wake up on weekends or whatever, like, oh, you're so lazy. I have spent a lifetime being an utter and complete workaholic in some effort to, to prove to my parents as a seven-year-old <laughs> that I'm not lazy. You know what I mean? So we hear these labels, um yeah. we hear these like labels and we kind of end up changing something about ourselves to suit the label and that is kind of what the show was. And for him I think it was just like a a journey to figure out that you don't have to be that one label, that it can be a part of you but not all of you. And it's such a simple message, right? It's probably something we've all, you know, kind of rationally understood, but to see it sort of like play out like that was really something else. But my question is why everything leading leading up to that big moment. It, it seemed like a lot of Dis- disconnected, disjointed, like tricks and and things like that, and getting people very emotional. I mean, the the thing with the letter, it was really nice. I mean, it was nice. I got emotional. I did because seeing people cry makes me cry. <laughs> so like like when you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I yeah. did, but I don't know. I guess I was struggling with understanding how it all fit together. The card tricks and the. I mean, I, I do want to say, first of all, about seeing people cry, which is like he did this show, it, it says on the- Like 522 times in or the something. In the introduction, like, exactly, like 550 yeah. to whatever times. And um, he did it in New York City in a theater that fit about 150 people or whatever. And imagine doing that every day and eliciting, you know, that kind of reaction from an audience every day. I think seeing people cry 
is one thing. Like seeing people cry, you know, when uh, Angelina Jolie is doing the crying is one thing that might make me cry, right? But then seeing like literally someone's aunt or whatever on a stage reading a letter that was impossibly written to her from her daughter or best friend or whatever as a magic trick, which is and and she cries and and uh that is like a different experiencing a real person's honest reaction to something i think is so magnificent you know it's kind of what makes documentary so powerful right and there's there was an element of that here because these were real people they had were experiencing real emotions and then that instance each person that was called to the stage to read a letter like that letter was just impossibly written to them from someone they loved. And it was like unclear how it happened. Like it was like the craziest magic trick I've ever yeah, seen. Yeah. And so I, I think um, the whole time I'm thinking the way my brain works is like, well, how did they do this? And so that might have ruined the whole illusion for oh, me. Because yeah. the entire time I was just sitting there like, well, wait, how? Yeah. You how, know? how, how, I know, I know, how, but yeah, because obviously he shuffled a bunch of letters, you know, they picked a letter from the pile, it was like, how, it, how does he know, and the the letters had detail yeah. in them about that person's life, about, you know, a particular bathroom in high school that they used to get high at, like, it yeah. was, you know, really remarkably right. detailed. and clearly he had to have gotten their information so, yeah. from their credit card purchases somehow, which seems a little sketchy, but that's just what... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my friend was talking about last night because how else could you know? So I mean, I, right? So I know a few people who Uh-oh. went. You to the do? Live show, oh, right. Was one of them? Bill Gates? Yeah. the lead. Yeah. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I can't believe that. It, it call, I I texted a couple of friends of mine. I was like, you guys have to see this. Derek Delgado is in and of itself. It's really amazing. And then one of them writes me back like, Oh, I saw it live, and it was like earth shattering. It was fantastic. And I was like, First of all, how did you see this live? And didn't immediately yeah. tell me and everyone you know to go see this show. Like, you know, I felt like so betrayed. But a few of my friends had seen it live, and my first question was, <laughs> Did and did Derek Delgado? contact anyone in your family in an effort to write a right, letter no, fair question <laughs> and they were like no no we no like you know and it's it is one of the um and a, a friend of mine's dad is a magician crazily and he basically said like it is the the most um, advanced magic show he had ever seen and the ma- the funny thing is like magic is just a third right. yeah. of the show, right? The rest of it is storytelling mm-hmm. and kind of, you know, taking us through his life and stuff like that. So um, I don't even want to overplay the magic, but the magic that we do see is just is like next level, which is why David Blaine yeah. is in the audience. And when he accurately picks the label that David Blaine had picked for himself, I- David Blaine starts crying. He calls it my brother. My you know? Brother. My brother and David Blaine is just like sobbing in the audience. I also think because one of the feelings I had as a comedian was I want to make people feel this way with my art the way Delgadio is making pe- people feel right now. Like in 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 whatever way that manifests itself in in the com- in sure. comedy, well, you know what I you gotta, mean. You got to take these labels that, that you, you people affix to you. Like pain in the ass was uh, one of the ones I saw at the very beginning. I thought that was funny, and then the, the whole idea of how like these labels <laughs> that you get as a child 
aren't really who you are. And then these other things begin to define you. And then the whole thing is a setup for how all this knowledge, as he calls it, sort of hides what, what's really there. And then he does that trick with the, uh, the brick and then it's gone somehow. He builds, he builds a card house around a brick and then knocks it over and the brick is gone. How did he do that? I don't know. How did he do that? I mean, all of the, I mean, it was remarkable. But my question for you guys is, did you have a personal reckoning with like, you know, the, the last like 10 minutes of the show are like, you know, the outrageous 10 minutes where basically Delgadio goes, it, it, everyone in the audience sort of stands up and he goes one by one identifying the the card people yeah. had picked to identify themselves. And it's funny because I sort of pictured myself like going into that audience, yeah. you know, and picking a card and what would I have picked and all of that stuff, which I think was why so many people were so emotional, right? Because they picked, you know, and the there was a really, really hard moment where someone nobody. picked yeah. nobody, like a card that said nobody. And Delgadio could like barely say it because mm-hmm. it's so sad. And, and so it, you know, uh, and it reveals something about someone that you really wish they didn't think mm-hmm. about themselves. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, so I guess I was wondering from you guys, like if it was there, was there like a moment or something that made you like f- have any realizations about your selfhood? <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, like a small just question. A nice coffee chat. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Um, geez, I don't know. I don't have to think about that one. Josh, you can go first uh, on that question. <laughs> uh, well, as a, I mean, I get, well, I got teased a lot as a kid and uh, grapple with labels a lot. I think uh, kids called me doofy or, you know, and a lot of it was because of the clothes my parents bought me, which is something, you know, I couldn't control. So a lot of the labels we get are just things that are outside of our control. And is that fair? I mean, really, yeah. you know, right. Uh, right. and maybe what, what was there all along was something beautiful, you know, uh, and it, it becomes hard for us to see, but, my real question for you guys is um, what was he getting at with the, with the theme of the Rulatista as far as like if, if he is the Rulatista and the Rulatista is a guy who risks everything, what does it mean at the end of that Rulatista story when a robber comes in the house and he says, the Rulatista says, do you know who I am? And the, Rulati- and the robber shoots him because, because the robber didn't see who the Rulatista thought he was. So what does that say? does that shade the rest right. of the show that that ending to the story because we don't really talk about that part he didn't he didn't really talk about the ending and all either you're right what do you guys think no you're so so that right so that's interesting that like because the rulatista because the the robber didn't know him to be someone who defied yeah. all the odds he wouldn't defy the odds yeah. in that moment hmm. yeah that like the the label of a guy who who's known to defy the odds just immediately crumbles when one per, you know when the beholder doesn't see it. I mean, I think that probably reinforces the theme of the show, right? That like, that like, we are not one label. Here's an example of a guy that doesn't, of a, of a shooter who doesn't see that label. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. I like that. I was thinking of it more as like, it, it doesn't matter what we do or what we label ourselves, because in the end, like nothing is really in our control. That's the sort of dark way that I took it. Oh God, that's also, yeah, yeah. that's also, I think yeah. that's also true. Yeah. There's a little bit of a, like, dare I say, um, a critique of of Western capitalism that allows for so I know this, I'm going to say some crazy <laughs> shit right now. It's just like happening, but that it's a critique of Western capitalism's 
enabling of people's like leisure time and in that leisure time they spend they they you know what we do is like analyze ourselves and think about ourselves and criticize ourselves and celebrate ourselves and everything's about just like thinking about ourselves and it's so insular and and then it's like oh you've spent all your time doing that and then it's over like a be and because of forces outside of your control so why did you spend your yep. time doing that yeah you know? Yeah, I agree with that. Nagin, do you think you're a wolf? <laughs> what was the what was the wolf? Oh, the t- the time the between, time between dog, dog and wolf. wolf. Yeah, because he, he had all these you know props that you can see setting up in advance. Uh, these the six chambers, you know, the six settings, and one of them is a yeah. wolf with a deck of cards, and he uh, was holding the deck of cards in his mouth, and he pulls it out, and that's one of his stories, you know. And each each story represents uh, he feels something about himself. And I kept, yeah. I kept trying to figure out if and, a wolf was a bad thing. Like, was being a wolf a good mm-hmm. thing or a bad thing? <laughs> or is it anything? Yeah. yeah, that's a good question. Well, there was, I mean, it's funny because, it you know, he, yeah, so he talks about this time where he was a, like a high stakes card yeah. dealer mm-hmm. person and he would rig games to make a lot of money. Yeah. And the thing th- there that I thought was really fascinating is like that, it, it, it's magic. There's a sleight of hand involved. But it is also like a just good old fashioned number counting and being able to like keep track of stuff and just having your brain like work Mm -hmm. that way, you know? So he really demonstrated how skilled he was in that, in that little section. But that also, I guess that he went from being this kind of like innocent kid who knew how to shuffle cards really Mm -hmm. well, well to like a guy who played with um, very dangerous people in an effort to kind of take their money. And so that is like a wolf-like quality, right? Uh, That, you know, and and I guess I felt like, oh, this is like a bad time in your life. Like I was like, yeah, being a wolf is bad Mm -hmm. in general. You know what I mean? Um, Because it's a dishonest or something and it's, you're ready, you want to pounce. Like that's your whole your day is it revolves around when you can pounce on the unsuspecting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like um, wolf in sheep's clothing. I don't know. For some reason, I feel like wolves just get a bad rap. Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And, as we're, as we're, and as we're talking about that, I realize you know there's that whole thing with the big bad wolf uh, and and the house of bricks and everything. Mm-hmm. And maybe the house of bricks was something he built around himself as a shell because of all the the pain and the taunting he got from his mother who was gay, who we later meet in the show and just this really like ugh, jaw-dropping yeah. moment. Hi, ugh. mom. You know, that whole- yeah. Tim, Gunn. <laughs> Tim Gunn is in the audience for some reason. Tim Gunn, yeah. yeah, but it's okay. just a- it's, Tim yeah. Gunn cries. And, Tim Gunn cries Yes, so and you always hear that the more personal you get, the more universal it gets. So this whole story that he's laying out uh, is deeply personal, but it becomes universal at once because we can all identify- is being made fun of, is labeled, is having to protect ourselves from the outside world and to uh, dig into something else along the way. Um, so that's what really struck me, you know, th- those those little moments. Yeah, and I, I love that, like, the more personal you get, the more universal it becomes because, you know, I, um, I lived in Virginia when I was a little girl and it was um, in a place called Roanoke. And at the time, you know, so this was like the 80s, 
And it was not a very like welcoming place. And one of my earliest memories is my brother coming home from school with a black eye. He's 13 years older than me. So he was already in high school. And um, and he came home with a black eye because he was getting beaten up for being Iranian. Wow. And um, we ended up leaving um, Virginia. And I mostly grew up in, in Southern California in Palm Springs um, because those days in Virginia were so uh unwelcoming for immigrants um especially in, at that time in the 80s for Iranian immigrants um because people love to hate on Iran i mean just generally but like especially in the 80s um and and my brother was like the only Iranian kid at school and also he you know he would have been the only Ar- Iranian kid i was the only Iranian kid at my school but uh so i feel like if you're uh, like a bigot and you see an Iranian it's like maybe your only chance to beat one up you know what i mean so you got to take that chance um but like you know, he, uh, I, I just remember, you know, the, this, the sense of him being bullied because his mother was gay. It's like everyone has a thing, you know, and it doesn't have to be that you're BIPOC or gay or anything like that. It could just be, you know, because you're wearing the wrong clothes, as Joshua was saying, or you're where, you know, or you like the wrong music or whatever. And there's an uh, otherness in those brutal childhood years um, that people can affix to you that can be so painful. And uh, that part of the story really resonated with me. You can see it for what it is or imagine it for what it could be. That was uh, another one of his themes. Mm. Uh, and that could easily be yeah. referring to uh, throwing off that label that other people see you as and picking a new one. Like I would have picked Dreamer. What label would you guys have picked? Yeah. I was thinking Dreamer too. And oh, obviously, God. like if there was a mermaid label, I heard unicorn. So I was like, if there's a unicorn, there must be a mermaid in there somewhere. <laughs> oh, I know. That's such a, it's funny. I've, I've thought about that question a lot. I don't know. I think I would creator mm-hmm. or um like citizen, uh, which was, I think Tim Gunn picked citizen. Um, I like to think of myself in that like civic terms. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's hard, but again, like what one term, you know what no. I mean? Would you pick is like, there's such so a many. Hard, yeah. There's hard thing. you're, so many because there's things. so yeah. many. Yeah. Well, they always say yeah. if you don't define yourself, and other people will define it for you. You know, that's uh, that's a rule in life. I mean, yeah. How do you think he managed to um, pick everybody's oh label correctly? <laughs> I mean, it's some some old Harry Houdini trick. You know, he's not. Uh, yeah. I mean, I. It is yeah. crazy, right? Yeah. Like he literally, they, the audience members gave the cards, and this was yeah. on camera, right? Like the audience members pick the card at the beginning of the show. They go into the theater. The cards end up in the hands of like a theater manager. The theater manager takes the cards over and like puts them on stage. And then he, you know, he splits the deck of the cards a couple times. You know what I mean? He does random things with the cards. So it's not like it maintains its original form the whole time either, you know? He doesn't touch them really, like, uh, you know, except for a couple of times. So it's like, it's just crazy. It is, but I would have known that Larry Wilmore was an oracle immediately. So that's just me. (laughs) Wait, what did, what was Bill Gates? Bill Gates was... Leader, yeah. that's right. Which is a little like, <laughs> you know? <laughs> it's funny because a, a friend of mine um, was in the in the bank with a celebrity, very, very well-known celebrity the other day. And the celeb, they did, but the teller didn't know that that person was a celebrity and was like, okay, if you could just wait in the whatever, um, we'll, we'll be with you 
when we're with you. You know what I mean? And uh, and the celebrity said to my friend, do you know who I am? And she said, yes, I know who you are. And she's like, do you think I should play the celebrity card? <laughs> okay, that's, <laughs> friend, awesome. that's awesome. That's awesome. My friend was like, mm, I know. And my friend was like, eh. And she's like, you're right. I'll just be patient. <laughs> You know, A-list oh celebrity. And I was like, that's great. Like, you're you're self-aware that you can use it, and you're self-aware yeah. that you shouldn't no, use I it. I love that. Oh, my gosh. So my point with Bill Gates is like, you picked leader. It's other people that are yeah, supposed to call true. you a leader, dude. You know yeah. what I mean? It should be something a little bit more intimate when you, that you, you choose yourself, you yeah. know? Yeah. I don't know. The uh, the audience interaction was my well my favorite part of the whole show honestly that book you know with the Mister Tomorrow he said oh you're not going to get to see the end of the show I need someone to come back uh, tomorrow who's it going to be yeah and then what was the other uh, the people from yesterday were called Mrs Yesterday is that what he called her yeah and uh, each yeah. one of them in turn took the took this logbook home uh, I'm sure taking it home they signed a form with the stage to make sure they would come back in some sense, but each one of them did over these 500 some shows. And they wrote a whole page about what they thought the last, you know, 10 or 15 minutes of the show was going to be after they left, what they thought it was. Some people thought it was the elephant, you know, because he had that story about, you know, five blind people touching the elephant. Yeah. And, you know, when that's uh, just, he's just stretching out the, you know, the, the trunk, the tail, the, the wall, it's the thing, it's the this, it's that. So some people thought he was going to create a whole elephant on stage. And uh, yeah, everybody. In, and then he showed you, you know, you couldn't do this on stage so well, but the the, the film version was like, I, I thought probably added more layers than the stage version. Yeah, because we got to see what right. was in the and book. And also you got to see like yeah. a little highlight of so many of the, the people coming back and their reactions. And I think talk about Rulatista, like that's such a vulnerable moment in the show every night to hope yes. That Mr. Yesterday, ah, came like, back. what if someone just takes you that know? book and run? I would, they must exactly. take some sort of like, or or they take the book and they break All their right. leg right. in the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's such yeah. a vulnerable moment to um to wonder if that person is going to come back. And I remember thinking, like, there's a way of you know of playing Russian roulette mm -hmm. every night. Yeah, yeah. No, that's very true. Yeah, yeah. That uh, that reminds me of. Uh, the one time that, uh, you know, I had a, my stomach trauma and I was in the hospital, but that was the only time I was ever supposed to be on jury duty that day. So sorry yeah. for duty. I was in the hospital. <laughs> um, you know? I was supposed to do jury duty during oh, yeah? the pandemic. Like, right away. Yeah. Like, I got a summons and I was like, I guess this doesn't mean anything <laughs> right, right now. Gotta stay home. Darn. Darn. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what, what were some of your guys' other favorite moments in the, in this? You know, it, they show again. Talk about like the the film version being a little bit more rich. Um, we got to see a lot, and I don't. I maybe this was in the live version too, but it, but in the film version, we got to see a lot of archival footage from him. Oh and his mom yeah, that stuff. 80s. Yeah, that was. And it was just like lovely, and it also made me realize like I don't have very much of that. For whatever reason, my parents just didn't archive our childhood, and and it's so lovely that like. 
it makes me it makes me want to be like, hey, parents, do that because it's really yeah. cute. Like just to see, and also to see, you know, the mom had this like fabulously feathered hair of the eighties. You know what I mean? She just looked like she was out of an eighties music video, like gorgeous, uh, long feathered hair, and and to see the kid with his chubby cheeks, Derek Delgado is with his chubby cheeks, and the clear love and affection between him and his mom as a kid was just like it painted a picture. It was really moving and also painted a picture of this person who has you know so much dimension that you might look at that you might take you know it's like right now I think the other thing that the show does and and uh, I don't actually know when it was up maybe 2018 or something but you look at the show now and we talk about labels so much like cancel culture and blah 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 and woke blah 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 Um, and everything is about like I want to make sure POC this and BIPOC that and LGBTQ plus whatever and I say this as a woman of color and I say this as a Muslim I think that sometimes our over-labeling of everything all the time is exhausting or like there's, you know, like it'll be like, oh, this, oh, this guy was a dick to me online. Of course, he was a white guy or whatever, like the constant labeling is, but, you know, and I find it as someone who's wanted to be recognized for the specificity of my hyphenated self, like my whole life, I'm now like, okay, we can because you look at a guy like Derek Delgadio and you think he's a privileged white guy. Like if you just were to walk by him on the street, like that's what you would think, but you wouldn't know this, inc- this, this backstory, the life that he, the trouble that he saw, the, um, the damage that he, you know, suffered from having a gay mom and all of that. Like you wouldn't know anything about that. You would just be saying, ugh, privileged white guy, you know? And so it almost made me just feel like, that the show was subtly, and again, I, I don't think it's a resp- the show. I don't think the show is a response to any of this particularly. I think it was m- far more intimate, but it does resonate for me on like a broader social level of our extreme um, labeling that we're doing right now, which in some ways is fantastic, right? Because we just we we were so quick to like ignore everybody's personhood before, and so now we're like we're doing it, and that's great. But then we're also like at the same time taking away any nuance that people mm-hmm. might have. You know what I mean? With our like constant labeling. So I don't know. I thought that was um. Which, by the way, please don't at me. Like, this is, I'm just thinking out loud. I'm not trying to, like, get canceled right now. I'm just, like, thinking of, like, I'm just being philosophical here about, like, what what these labels might mean in our current time. I know. I appreciate that. And it's funny. I was about to ask you how it feels to take a break from talking about terrible things on your show. But... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, and it's funny because you're talking about just going based off looks, and this is very small and surface level, but the first thing I noticed was how tired he looked, and he had these dark circles under his eyes. And I remember thinking, yeah. I wonder if that, like, you know, is that all to add to the whole, like, aura of him being this very damaged, sad person? But then I Googled him, and he really does have those dark circles all the time. You know, I'm like red carpets yeah, and everything. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. You know, I was so cynical going in. I wondered if they had, like, a, a makeup person <laughs> you know what I mean oh that's so funny yeah yeah no you're right like I I scrolled down his like Instagram and noticed that too but uh and it, but it, but at the end of the day, though, like you wouldn't you wouldn't be wrong to think that a makeup artist was doing that because right. this was a show, right? Mm-hmm. He is a performer, you know, and so um, it's not like everything we saw was just 
some right. kind of I woke up like yeah. this, you know what I mean? <laughs> like there is there is an element of showmanship that was I think so finely tuned that it felt like uh, you know it just kind of mm -hmm. organically came up from his yeah soul. and uh, i like what cassie said about being cynical because uh it just reminded me that another another one of the themes is uh you know all this knowledge that we get all this information covers up you know our true selves that was there right from when we were kids that's why he has those videos of himself as a kid and the showmanship part wow like when he he has a blindfold over his face and does the card tricks. And he's like, you guys probably thought I should get all these in order. And he takes yeah. the blindfold off. And he's like, well, I would have if I didn't have this blindfold <laughs> on my face, you guys. Come on. <laughs> that was funny. There were some and funny then, moments. And then he proceeds to get all four, like, uh, in, a row, in, a row. in order. Ridiculous. Come Ridiculous. On. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very So skilled. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, uh, I think it's time for final thoughts. I mean, are you guys going to recommend this oh, to I others? Will. Sure. Yeah, I would. Oh, that was that was less of a uh, a resolute. Cassie didn't quite get it, but that's that's okay. I love it. No, I had a friend that was like, "Yeah, I turned it off after a few it's, minutes." Okay. I was like, "What?" Be, to be fair, it does start a little slow. You know, well, like that's I, not, I, I, that's not why. Yeah, I can yeah. sit through something slow. Like, well, well, I mean, for my dad, I build it as like a magic show, and he just sees like this weird, you know, puppet like clicking a gun over himself, click, 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 and sure. Listen, no, I mean, <laughs> you know. Parts of it felt very like manipulative and I don't know how much of it was real or fake or whatever. But in the end, a lot of people were moved by it. And I guess in the end, that's what matters. If people take something good away from it, then I guess it doesn't matter how it came about or how real it was or how genuine, you know. So that's right. that's why I would I, I would still recommend it, even though I'm not sure how moved I was by it just because I was so cynical about it but again it's it's if you take something positive away from it then that's what's important so it is until you find a gold brick thrown through your window yeah. <laughs> i guess <laughs> <laughs> yeah i will just really enthusiastically recommend it to others i think at the end of the day the other thing that it's remarkable about it is that i've never seen anything no. like it, was unique. it mm -hmm. particularly yeah sure yeah. So I think on that front too, just like, oh, this is like a different genre of thing, you know, that we, that I haven't seen. And, uh, you know, and I spend so much time in live theater spaces, you know, so it's like, I, I was almost like, I can't believe I haven't seen something right. like this. Uh, you know? Oh, and I forgot, Nagin, uh, we need to get you to talk about your upcoming show. Yeah. Yes. On June 8th in New York City, I'm going to be doing uh, my first solo, like, uh, evening it's it's called the Gein Farsad presents an evening of comedy from her mouth hole um and it's I've been doing um you know the clubs have been open thank god um for the last few months but um this is going to be my first time uh doing a full hour since before yeah. the pandemic and um the last time I did stand up before the pandemic it was like literally like two or three weeks before lockdown I was in Iowa City it was to an audience of a thousand and afterwards I signed books for like you know 700 people who were standing in line we took photos we hugged we shook hands it was a super spreader event is what i'm trying to tell you full everyone's vaxxed um you gotta have your excelsior pass or show your cdc card at the door um and it, which is really mm -hmm. easy I've, I've done it now a bunch of times and uh it's gonna be fun and there's drinks and uh yeah and it's um it feels I now that we've all been you know the theaters are so, slowly open up the small theaters are all opening june 1st in new york you know things feel like they're like moving ahead and uh hopefully we'll we'll have a really good time on awesome. june 8th 
I'm sure you will. And my final thought is that ending of the show, when the six chambers were revealed to somehow just be like uh, a painting of sorts, he like mm-hmm. he pulls the curtain back and the whole thing falls down because he'd physically falls he'd physically down. put put like objects like this a ship in a bottle, like in these little like a uh, glass chamber. We thought they were glass, yes. and then. It's revealed to just be a wall the whole time. I mean, that's just, it does, I mean, with the audience I mean, was watching that's everything. that's just some straight up. There's no light magician sleight of hand it's there. It's just some magic. I know. I mean. How did they do that? How did he do that, you guys? No, no, totally. It's just amazing. Yeah. yeah. It's just amazing. Uh, it was, it was really amazing. Okay, well, I think we got those final thoughts out. Yeah. Uh, let's, and uh, we got everything else, but let's just, uh, yeah, let's do our final our final ratings. We do a, a one out of ten system, and we usually I don't know if you heard the show. We uh, we we give it say like seven point five out of something Derek Delgadios. You know, we give it like something. <laughs> more, something okay. So, you guys want to give it a rating? Sure. I mean, I give it like a nine point five golden bricks out of ten bricks. There you go. Well, dang, I, I was gonna go with golden <laughs> bricks. Now, what am I gonna do? I'm going to give it. Oh, my God. This is so hard for uh, you. <laughs> because I like I don't want to offend you because no, you loved no, it. No, so no, no, no. Tr- like truly like one of my friends, just, like I said, turned it off. Like, so don't worry. I will be offended. I don't okay. even know Derek. Del I'm going to say. So. <laughs> <I know. laughs> Derek yeah. Delgatti yeah, was my brother. After and be like, this. <laughs> Okay, I'll do uh, six six point five uh, tie blindfolds out of <laughs> nice. <10. laughs> um, I'm trying to think of some reason I can't rate it a ten. I don't know. Um, <laughs> if you need to change the scale, we no, understand. I, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, uh, I'm gonna give it uh, ten ruletises oh out of ten. Oh my god! Okay, all right. <laughs> You are the Rulatista, you guys. Someone is Derek Delgadio's brother. Yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, okay. Uh, well, great. Well, that's our show. Thanks so much, Nagin, for coming on. Yeah, this was fun. Uh, everybody, go subscribe to Fake the Nation right now and listen to our Patreon, oh, Patreon? called. No, wait, what? Your Patreon? Who has a Patreon? My Patreon. Never have one yet. <laughs> Your Patreon. First of all, you should have a Patreon. <laughs> Second of all, my Patreon is patreon.com slash Nagin Farsad, <laughs> a name that is both easy to pronounce and spell. Um, so look me up. Uh, we have a bunch of fun um, free stuff on Patreon, like episodes of Fake the Nation. And you'll love Fake the Nation. If you like hearing three people talk, then <laughs> which you do because you're listening to this podcast. You do, obviously. Uh, then you'll love Fake the Nation. <laughs> I told you they'd yell about directors, yell about the plot. They yelled about the acting, hope they let the guests talk, but mostly Josh and Cassie.